you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, and today we're looking at how we can be joyful givers. Now, uh, if you're a guest of ours today, I know, I know. He's talking about money today. Yes, we're talking about money today. But it is not about us trying to get money for the coffers. It's not about us trying to... Um, um, uh, get more money for the church. That's not what this is about. This is about what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let me, co- let me load it up at the beginning. Okay, so I want everybody with me. You're 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to show you how this works uh, from God's Word. We believe that God's Word is the rule for how we live and, and how we believe. And because of that, uh, we're going to look to God's Word about what it means and why to start a giving journey or to be on a giving journey. Um, but let me go ahead and lay it out straight up, okay? I'm not, by the way, I'm not going to use a lot of rhetoric. I'm not going to use a lot of, oh, if you give, then yada, yada, yada. You know, I'm, I'm just going to try to be as plain spoken as God's Word is, Okay? I've got preacher stories. If you want some, I can probably give them to you, but I'm going to try not to do that. All right? So, straight up, a faithful follower of Jesus Christ gives to God through the church. If you're not giving to God through the church as a follower of Jesus, you're not a faithful follower of Jesus. Now, if that has not offended you so much that you can't go on, let me try again. See, it gets so quiet in here. And I try to make jokes to, you know, kind of loosen the tension a little bit. Uh, the Mulleses are here visiting with uh, the Hawkman's uh, family, and, and uh, I, I went out to the grand lobby, and I said, thank you for being here for uh, the money talk, and, and he laughed, served on staff here, been in ministry for decades and 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 I said well you know you can always turn down the hearing and not even think about it you know but uh, I know it's hard uh, for you to have to sit through this it it shouldn't be by the way it shouldn't be that hard it's just another aspect of being a disciple and so I just want to my job is to help you be the follower of Jesus that Jesus has saved you to be and part of that is being faithful in giving not giving time and talent alone. Uh, the Bible is clear. It expects us to give money, like money, money, money. Not, not just time, not just talent. A lot of people think that if I show up at church or I volunteer in a certain way, that's all I need to do. Wrong. That's not what the Bible says. Whenever in Exodus chapter uh, 23, uh, Moses was talking about having a Uh, a thank offering to the Lord. He was saying, bring your first fruits. That was their cash. Not just show up and sing a song. It was actually bring your cash and and give to God through the assembly. In the same way, you and I are followers of Jesus and we're in the 21st century, uh, but God is calling us to be faithful followers of Jesus, obedient followers of Jesus, and that means we give money to God through the church. You might say, well, I give to um, uh, uh, United Way, or I give to 
um, Shriners, or I give to this group or that group. Great, I'm glad you do that. That's not the same thing. When we give to Shriners or um, um, uh, the Children's Hospital, St. Jude's, when we do that, that's a charitable gift. And it's a good thing to do. Edie and I, uh, we do charitable things like that as well. But that is not the same thing as giving our tithe or our offering to God through the church. If you're not giving your tithe and your offering to God through the church, then you're not being faithful to God as a follower of Jesus. And you might say, well, that's not what the Bible says. I hope to show you how the Bible says this, okay? Just in this one passage, you've heard uh, Jeremy Gupton preach a great message from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Two weeks ago, Philip preached an awesome message from Malachi chapter 3 last Sunday. Both move us in this direction. Uh, My job is to show you that if you have been rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, then you have a new heart and you have a new way of living. That new heart moves you to give in obedience to God, to give money to God for God's glory. Uh, When we give our tithes and our offerings to the Lord through the church, it is not, it is not so that we can get the church to behave the way we want the church to behave. Can I tell you? And this is not a soapbox, but this is truth. So many people uh, give because uh, they want to make sure that the church behaves the way they want the church to behave. And if the church stops behaving the way they want the, and he's talking about the pastor, by the way, or the preacher or whatever. It, the minute the, the church stops behaving the way they want the church to behave, then they threaten to remove their giving. Keep it. Just keep it. You're giving with the wrong heart anyway. Um, if, if some say, well, if... I give this money, then I expect you to treat me the way I want to be treated. Well, we'll treat you the way the Bible tells us to treat you, and we will do for you the way the Bible tells us to do for you, but we're not going to give you special treatment because you give money. That's transactional. That's, That's consumerist. That's not what giving is about. When we talk about giving in the church, giving to God, Through the church, we're talking about an act of worship where we celebrate the grace of God given to us in Christ and flowing out of that grace that God has given us, we are obedient to live the way he's called us to live. And that means that we give our tithes and offerings to God through the church. Okay, y'all, it's so quiet in here that it just... Y'all, everybody okay? All right. It's not going to get better. Just hang with me. I, I, I don't apologize for preaching like this. I don't apologize for preaching this passage. Jesus talks more about money than he does hell. Did you realize? So I don't have any problem preaching about money or hell. But I, I want, because it's about us being faithful, obedient followers of Jesus. We're going to see that the giving of our financial resources is a mark of our spiritual maturity. 
So if we are not giving, it's a mark of where we are in relationship to God. If we're giving to manipulate, it shows how our relationship with God is working. You see? All right, so what I want to encourage you to do is to begin with this this focus. How that God has showered his grace on you. See, um, Paul in 2 Corinthians 9.15, he says... Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. And that indescribable gift is more than just uh, the money that he was uh, leading the church at Corinth to continue to give. He wasn't really talking about it. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about the indescribable gift of God's grace. God's grace. And, and, And please let me just take a moment because this is what becomes the foundation stone of our giving. It is that God looked upon you and me, sinners separate from him, made in his image but hostile toward him. God looked upon you and me as sinners and determined that he would send a rescuer to us. Jesus, who is God, left the throne room of heaven to be born in a manger in a stable, to live his life without blemish, fault, or sin, so that he might, so that he might go to a cross and hang upon a cross to die in the place of sinners like you and me. He took the punishment for my sin upon himself so that when I place my faith in Jesus and I place my life in his hands, in that moment, God's grace showers me and God makes me fit for his family. He draws me in. I'm no longer a stranger to the promises of God, but by his grace, through faith in Jesus, I'm now a son or a daughter of God. I'm now part of his family so that I carry his name and I live a life that's a reflection of who he is as my heavenly father. And if you have tasted that grace, if you have been rescued from sin by faith in Jesus Christ, then you and I must live a certain way. Not to earn the grace, not to pay for the grace, but rather to show God's grace alive in me and to celebrate that grace as I live each day. If you're a follower of Jesus, a faithful follower of Jesus, is going to be obedient to God. That's what sons and daughters do. To be obedient to God means we will give our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. They're not mad they're going to be baptized. I know. Your eyes going to get baptized. He's, they're not mad. Just Now, some of y'all who leave, you might get mad, but that's okay. They weren't. They're going to be baptized. All right, so let's look at this passage and let's see how God leads us to be joyful givers. I want you to begin in verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul writes, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a, what's the word? God loves a cheerful giver. God loves cheerful givers. God loves a cheerful giver. But here's, 
when you found out that we were going to have another money talk, did you just want to shout, Woo! This is awesome. I can't wait. If you're a guest, you walked in and you said, Oh my goodness, he's talking about money. Did you want to turn around and just walk away? When you, when you think about giving tithes and offerings, when you think about that, do you think, Man, this is, this is awesome. Or do you think, oh, I'm getting ready for a beat down. I don't want you to feel beat down. I want you to be encouraged to live the life that God the Father has given you to live as a son and daughter in his family. So let's look at this. What Paul does, he says, if you want, if you want to know how to be cheerful in your giving, then let me begin by telling you a principle with, with, with farming. The principle of farming is verse 6. He says, if you sow a lot, you're going to get a lot in harvest. If you sow a little, you're going to get a little in harvest. Does that make sense? You know this, right? If you uh, take a bag full of seed, you go out to the field, you plant the field, you water it and you take care of it, and the harvest is going to come back in proportion to the seed that you've planted. You sow sparingly, you're going to have a sparing harvest. If you sow a lot, abound, you're going to get a bountiful harvest. All right, so that's the principle of farming. He's not talking about wheat, he's talking about money. There is a principle of reciprocity, big word. There is a principle of if I do this, God does this. There's a principle of reciprocity that's not Pentecostal, it's just biblical. Baptists are so afraid that we're going to be accused of being prosperity gospel preachers that we fail to preach the very gospel that's given in his word. So here's what the Bible says. You give your money, you're going to get back in return to what you gave. Okay? Both materially and spiritually. That's the principle of farming that's applied to giving financially. But, so, uh, it, it's not just the principle of farming that says, if you give, then you'll receive according to the measure that you've given. I think Philip might have said that last week, Malachi 3. Same principle here. But it's also, verse 7, so you give as you purpose in your heart. So it's your choice. You see that? Verse 7, now give as you purpose in your heart. Not grudgingly or out of compulsion, but cheerfully. You give as you purpose in your heart. So here's the question as we begin. I'm going to show you how to get to cheerful, but as we begin, I want, I want to challenge you to start right here. God, will you show me what you want me to give, and I'll be faithful and do it. Will you make a commitment today? God, will you open my heart as your son, as your daughter, show me what you want me to give, and I will be faithful to do it. I'll be obedient. I, I, look, I, if the Word of God and the glory of God is not enough to motivate you, then whatever else I might use to motivate you is going to be insufficient. So let me just say, God is pleased. God loves cheerful giving. And I want to be, I want to be that guy, right? Don't you? 
I I want to be the object of God's love that's, that's spelled out in this passage. So how do I get there? Well, begin with this prayer. God, whatever you want me to give, show it to me and I'll, I'll do it. After the nine o'clock service, one, one of our members came up and said, while you were preaching, God just convicted me. I needed to increase my, my, uh, uh, my, my giving. And so I increased my giving by 25%, whatever that would be. And, and, but then I was challenged because that begins January 1, and I wanted to start in, in December. And then uh, you told us next week we're going to have a big offering. And so I get to do it. Uh, there. So God is kind of, she called it a God wink. And it got, I don't know what that meant, but it's good, good stuff. And so it, 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 she purposed in her heart what God had give, told her to give, and she was faithful to do it, and God will take care of that. So if you begin with that prayer as a follower of Jesus, God, I just want to be obedient to you. I don't have to tell, I don't think, I don't think I have to convince followers of Jesus that you should give. Now, you might get all theological, try to debate with me. Oh, well, we don't have to. We're not under law. We're under grace and all that kind of stuff. You want to have that discussion, you set the appointment, and I will have as long a discussion with that as you possibly desire. Happy to do it. But the very fact that you're going down that road is usually an indication that you are trying to talk yourself out of some act of obedience that God's already set before you. The question is not usually should I give, it's how can I give? And that's what, that's what Paul answers, what God answers in this passage. So 6 and 7, he says, the, you sow a lot, you get a lot, you sow a little, you get a little. Uh, purpose in your heart, how you're going to give. God loves cheerful givers. So how do we get to cheerful? Well, the first thing is you've got to trust God who blesses generous givers. You've got to trust God. You trust God to save you. You trust God to forgive your sin. You trust God to bring you into his family. You trusted God, if indeed you're a follower of Jesus. Well, trusting God doesn't stop when he says, you are now my inheritance, you're my son, you're my daughter. Trusting God continues all the way from here to heaven. I'm convinced, and Edie and I uh, didn't talk about it, but we probably testify that the reason we struggled in giving is because of our lack of trust in God. Remember, giving is a mark of your relationship with God. And the more mature you are in your relationship with God, the more you trust him. The more you trust him, the more you're going to be faithful and obedient to him, including giving. So if, you, if you're not giving, you might say, well, I don't have the resources to give. Hey, hold on. Hey, look at verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Good work there is giving money to God through the church. So what Paul says, what he writes is real simple. He says, You might think that you don't have enough, but God is able. He is is capable. He has the juice. He has the power. He delights in making all sufficiency abound. This grace that he pours out toward you 
is a grace that awakens sufficiency in all things, in every way, in all circumstance. Whether it's an upturn in the economy or a downturn in the economy, God is able to make us abound so that we can be faithful in the good work of giving to God through the church. So there's really no excuse. Oh, I don't, have, I, can, I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. I, I don't know if I can. It's not about you doing it. It's about God doing it. God is able. He has the power. Our job is to trust him. I have four daughters. Two sons-in-law. Two granddaughters. No matter how dark the path, no matter how uncertain the walk, when I'm with my family, I stretch out my hand and I say to them, just take me by the hand. I'll take you where you need to go. They might be afraid. They might be uncertain, but I, as a loving father or poppy, say to them, just take me by the hand, I'll take you where you need to go. I'll get you there. Trust me. Poppy, I can't see the way. That's all right. I know where I'm going. Take me by the hand and trust me. Poppy, it seems so dark. That's all right, honey. I've got this. I know where we're going. I can see the way. Just take me by the hand. And trust me. It is God's job to get us there. It is our job to take him by the hand. When it comes to being obedient as sons and daughters, we must trust God. That's what Paul is saying. That's what God's telling us. You don't know how you can give. God does. He says it. Just take me by the hand. You purpose in your heart to be obedient. I'll help you in that obedience. I will show you how that you can have all sufficiency in all things. I got what you need. Just take me by the hand and I'll lead you there. The deficiency in our giving is not because of our financial condition. The deficiency in our giving is because of our heart condition. We just aren't trusting God. And maybe your prayer needs to be, oh God, help me trust you more. Lord, Lord, please give me the grace, abounding grace. Give me the grace that I need that I might trust you completely. Not only is God able, take me by the hand, I'll get you there, but God is faithful. Look at verses 9 and following. It says, as it is written, uh, this is Psalm 112, he has dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply, multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything toward all generosity, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Now, 
Not only is God able to do it, but God is committed to be faithful to you and to me as he does it. It does what? As he provides what we need to be faithful and obedient to him. God tells us you need to give. You need to give your money to him through the church. I don't know how I'm going to do that. God says, take me by the hand. Trust me. I will help you. I'm able to make all grace abound so that you are sufficient in every way to accomplish what you've committed to do. I will give. Not only that, God says, here's what I do all the time. What does God do all the time? God says, I give seed to the sower and bread for the table. I do it whether you love me or not. I do it whether you like me or not. I give seed to the sower and bread for the table. This is what God does. He does it to those. It's common grace. He gives to those. So in Brazil, whether you believe in God or not, they celebrate a bountiful harvest. And when you're in China, whether you believe in God or not, they celebrate the festival of half moon. They celebrate a bountiful harvest. And if you're in Ghana, they, they, uh, whether you believe in God or not, they have the festival of the yam. I'm not a big fan of yams. You know what the sweet potato said to the mashed potato? I am what I am. Just trying to cut the tension a little bit. This is common grace. God provides seed for the sower and bread for the table. It's common grace. That's what God does. But then he says, now here's what I'm going to do. If you are obedient, if you are faithful, if you celebrate my grace by being an obedient son or daughter, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to supply seed for you. And then I'm going to multiply that seed. And then I'm going to make everything increase so that you have the capacity and capability of being generous. God says, you take me by the hand and I will give you everything that you need so that you can be generous in your obedience. Only God's saying, look, you take me by the hand, you trust me. And I will give you all that you need. I'll give you all that you need materially. And I'll give you all that you need spiritually. I will make grace abound over you in every way. But we got to take God by the hand. We got to trust him. We get to cheerful when we're trusting God. And when we trust God and he gets us to that place of obedience, obedience itself is a sign of victory and it's a sign of maturing in our faith. And as we are obedient, there is joy in us because we are celebrating the God who has given us life itself. Friends, listen, I I know it's about money and money is hard. It is. Money's hard. But you got to trust God. Stop trying to walk around what he's calling you to do. He's calling you to be obedient. So be obedient. If you, uh, uh, ODU won yesterday, right? Did y'all see that? Yeah, yeah. Marvelous. So uh, ODU, right? Uh, ODU, they won, and, and uh, that, that's great. But you know how they get to victory. You get to victory as a team, not by just... Uh, pretending like you're going to play a good game. You work to play a good game. You work diligently. You train hard. The coach says, do 
100 wind sprints, you do 101. Coach says, we, uh, you're going to run this drill over and over. Coach, we've run this drill enough. No, you need to run it one more time. It's the training of discipline. It's obedience to the task that leads to the victory. And the victory comes and you celebrate because you've been obedient. Friends, listen, as followers of Jesus, giving money to God through the church is an act of obedience. So train in that obedience. Trust God. And then you get to cheerful, uh, not only when you trust God, but then ultimately you got to take that step of faith. It's what Dick and, and uh, uh, Dick uh, Baker said on the video. He said, he said, you know, I took a step of faith. Our family took a step of faith, and he provided for us. And, and you've got to take a step, step of faith. You know what that means? It means you... Go ahead and put your money where your heart is. You've got to put your money where your heart is. Um, we, we do Gifster in our family. Gifster is an app on a phone, and, and it tells you what other family members want, and you can get that stuff that they ask for and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we do Gifster. And um, you go online, you, you look at what your children want, your friends, your family, and you look at that and you say, man, I, I want to get that for them. I want to get that for them not because they asked for it. I want to get that for them not because they're giving me something. I want to get that for them because I love them. I, I want to get that gift for them because I love them. And what God tells us is that if we love him, then we're going to be obedient, and that obedience is a reflection of where our heart is. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? The Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about uh, money and, and uh, worship. And Matthew 6, verse 19, he said, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and where uh, thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And he goes on, and, and here's the kicker, verse 21. He said, For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. When we, when we reflect, and treasure is money. Matthew 6, it's money. Here, it's money. When we reflect on where we put our money, how does that reflect our heart? And this is the most um, beat down I'm going to get on you. Just take a moment and think about how much money you give to God through the church and how much money you spend on gas or food or cigarettes or coffee or golf. Had one guy come up to me after church. He said, um, he said, you know, some time ago he said I was giving money to the lottery and it wasn't working for me, so I decided to start giving money to God and it's worked out really well. Just evaluate where you are in your giving. If someone were to evaluate your giving, and they would say, well, where is your heart anyway? Again, this isn't about being legalistic. It's not, not, none of that. Purpose in your heart, how God wants you to give, and commit to give that. And that's 100% obedient when you give what God has purposed in your heart to give. But are you being obedient? 
Where's your heart? Only and finally, in verse, uh, and, and don't have time to dig into all this, but um, in, in verse 12 and following, it says, for the administration of this service, he's talking about uh, the service being the act of worship. Uh, it's a Greek term that points to an act of worship, same that we find in Romans 12, 2, where it says, uh, be a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service of worship. Same word that we find here in verse 10, the administration of this act of worship. He's talking about uh, giving the money, the administration of this act of worship, for giving of the money not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. So he said, as we're obedient, you know what happens? We join a symphony of thanksgiving to God. As we're obedient to give our money to God through the church, we join a symphony of thanksgiving to God. Verse uh, 13, so while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. And, and if you doubt giving money to God through the church is a Jesus thing to do, you need to look and lean into this one phrase in verse 13. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, your giving is a confession of obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's tying it directly to, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be obedient and give money to God through the church. It's a confession of obedience to the gospel of Christ. He mentions the gospel of Christ. That's a Jesus thing, right? The gospel, the good news, that I was a sinner separated from God by my sin, but Jesus came, died for my sin upon a cross, was raised from the dead to give me new life, and when I place my faith in him, I'm no longer a stranger to God, but now I'm a son of God, and so that I brought into God's family and I live by faith in him. I am a son. I'm a, a daughter of God. Therefore, I am going to give confession to my obedience to the gospel by giving to God through the church. A faithful follower of Jesus gives to God through the church, you see? It's a mark of your relationship to God. And so it says, uh, uh, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and for all men. He said, uh, when you give out of an act of obedience to God, taking God by the hand, saying, I'm going to trust you, and so I'm going to give. And you give because you trust God and you're obedient to him, and you just kind of walk that path. It may be confusing. It may be chaotic. You may not understand how you're going to get there, but you believe that God is going to lead you, make grace abound to you, all grace abound to you, so that you have all sufficiency in all things to do this one good work, and you can be generous with it. When you do that, when you live your life with that kind of trust and faith in God. You're putting your money where your heart is, and the result is God is glorified. You see, the carrot for believers is not that I get a mansion. The carrot, the, the thing that draws us to give, is not that we get. The, the, the thing that draws us to give as followers of Jesus is that God, the one who has given us such grace, is glorified by our life. And friends, if the glory of God is not enough to motivate us to obedience, then nothing else will be. This is what moved Jesus to do what he did. 
John 17, Jesus said the, uh, in prayer right before he was arrested and then crucified, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son might also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work you've given me to do. Jesus said, I've given everything to glorify the Father. In the same way, we whose DNA has been written by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we live for the glory of God. That's our heart. So we give our money. We put our money where our heart is. And we join a symphony of praise to the glory of God. How do you get to cheerful? Take God by the hand. Trust him every step of the way. Take the step of faith and put your money where your heart is. That's how you get to, that's how you get to joy.